The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. So we're finishing up our, our final week on our series in prayer. And uh, it's been a, a fun series that we've been through. Hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. And wrapping up this series, we're going to talk today about intercessory prayer. Um, this is a great series that is really leading up to a study in the book of Psalms for the summer. So uh, just a, a, a really good kind of intro to the book of Psalms, which are all about prayer and all about uh, being together with God. Uh, one little side note, I did get the uh, Corona cut. I, I know you noticed that. Uh, I, some of you had patience to wait till the barbershops and the salons were open but I've never been known for my patience. So uh, I just got the clippers out, went to town, took care of my son Noah as well. Uh, and if any of you need help, come on over. Free haircut on me, so I'll take care of you. Uh, so thinking about intercession, thinking about um, why we should intercede and maybe some things that prevent us from interceding. And, and then finally, we'll look at today uh, some ideas of how to intercede for others. So when it comes to intercession, we need to realize first of all that intercession is a duty and a privilege. That we have the opportunity given to us by God himself because of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. We have the opportunity, we have the privilege. And as we read during our prayer time, we can read this passage again, 1 Timothy 2. Verse one and two says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high position that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And verse three just wraps it up by saying, this is good and pleasing in the sight of God. So it's good and pleasing to God that we pray for others. It is pleasing to him that we intercede for others. And even looking at the greatest commands that Jesus addresses, addresses in scripture and as he interacted with the people, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and mind, but also love your neighbor as yourself. How can we love others who we haven't prayed for? How can we love those truly when we don't come before God in prayer? See, we're all part of the same body. We hurt, we laugh, we suffer, we express joy together. And so this opportunity is amazing for us to think about interceding for others, especially during this time in our history. When we think about the things that are going on now and even over the past two months when we think about being separated from one another, what a great opportunity to still be together by interceding, by going before God on behalf of people maybe that you can't hang out with right now. Maybe people that are distant from you. But through prayer, we have the opportunity to be together and to be close. In many ways, we owe who we are as spiritual beings to intercessory prayer. I know for me, when I think about my prayer life and, and my life in general, I think about my parents. Godly parents who spent many, many hours praying for their children. Oftentimes I'd walk in on them praying and, and even in the evening, before they went to bed, walking by their door, hearing them praying for their children. And one particular instance, uh, when they interceded on my behalf, I. 
I was uh, finishing up 11th grade. And uh, I don't know about you uh, and your children at home or maybe what you were like, but finishing up in 11th grade as a guy, for me, I had become really prideful, selfish, stubborn, just one of those guys that kind of knew everything and that really my parents couldn't tell me anything. But they continued to pray and continued to seek God's face for their son and came to the point where the summer came up and they told me, that I was going to be getting on a bus with a bus full of people that I've never met before, and they were sending me down to a camp in North Carolina 13 hours away. And then I ride 13 hours down to this leadership camp, this Christian camp down there. I'd been to it before, but not for two weeks by myself. So they're gonna hop on this bus, and you're gonna go down there with all these strangers, and we wanna see what God does in your life. Now, I don't know about for you at home maybe thinking about that idea, being thrown on a bus full of 50 people you've never met before. And even for an extrovert, that still freaked me out. For some of you, it's like, I'll just crawl under a rock and die. There's no way I'm going to do that. But even for someone who liked to be around people, liked to talk to strangers, liked to uh, be able to hang out with others that I didn't know, it was kind of weird and freaky. Hopping on this bus, who is this kid? Why is he sitting here? I don't know him. This is a whole youth group of, of kids that knew each other. And so God sent me on down to this camp. And I'm sure my parents continued to intercede before God for me. And God used those next two weeks in my life to really honestly change the course of my life. It didn't happen overnight, but God got a hold of my heart to think about leadership, to think about serving others more. And it was because my parents were interceding on behalf of me. It wasn't, they weren't giving me a, a sermon. They weren't sitting me down and yelling at me. They saw a need. They took action, decisive action, and it changed the course of my life. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way, I put the argument therefore to you, if you have received blessings through the intercession of saints, would you not be ungrateful indeed if you did not intercede for others in return? Not only is it a privilege, and it's also an obligation. So many have interceded for you and, and on your behalf, how much more should we think about interceding for others? Intercession is also the ultimate unifier of the body across socioeconomic, geographical, educational, and even racial divides. Intercession allows us to see people for who they are and even humanizes people more. When we pray for others, it, it draws them into our lives, into a relationship where we can empathize and, and really relate in a way to them in a way that we couldn't before praying for them. It allows us to be able to see and set our eyes, our hopes, and our, our purpose where it belongs off of ourselves, onto the needs of others, and of course, onto the Father who can answer these prayers. So it gives us a whole new direction in life. And so, also we wanna talk about and think about what prevents us from interceding. What are the things that get in our way? And last Sunday morning, right on this stage, Chase talked about this topic. Uh, Casey out in the parking lot last Sunday night talked about this topic. And one of the things I believe that keeps us from interceding is individualism. 
the idea that it's about us, life is about us, and we don't think family, we don't think corporately, we don't think of community, oftentimes in our prayers, they're really more about us. We think about individualism versus community. Think about uh, the deacons in our church. We have some deacons present here. They've been serving us every Sunday, doing the different things that need to be done to, to have this service here online. When I think about deacons, I think about a friend of mine. All of the deacons are assigned a few widows that they get to keep up with, that they, they encourage and see how they can help them at home and whatever they might need. And one of my friends recently had one of the widows that uh, he get, has gotten to know had needed help moving. And she needed help moving and it was a tough deal where she didn't have a lot of assistance. And so he began to set up the opportunity to move this lady uh, into her new house. But in process also, it ended up getting double booked that the family had planned a last minute vacation and had planned something that uh, kind of overlapped this move. And I don't know about you, but when something like that might happen and you're going four hours away, well, you might have to just tell that woman, I'll get someone to help you out, but I'm gonna have to check out on this. If he thought individually, if he thought about himself and even just his family in this situation, that's what he would have done. But instead, he still gathered a group of believers, a group of people, of of men from this church. He gathered them together, woke up early from his vacation, four hours away, drove up here to move this lady into her new house. Spent five, six hours sweating like crazy, moving her in, and then made his way back to join his family on vacation. Individualism versus community. He was interceding for this woman in a practical way, but also showing that life is more about community and who is along for the ride and who we can assist along the way in this intercession. Unfortunately, we often see prayer mainly about us and not what God is doing on a local, regional, and even global scale. Another thing that prevents us from interceding is the daunting prayer list. I don't know about you, but I'm not a list maker. But in my prayer life, I've felt the need to write things down because if not, I won't remember them. But oftentimes, making those lists makes it feel more like a shopping list when I pray instead of actually communicating with God and communion with God. You know, due to my personality, I've had some weird and crazy conversations with my wife. Over the years, these conversations have spiderwebbed all over the place where she's trying to keep up and figure out what in the world I'm talking about. God bless her soul. She's put up with this for 22 years, as of yesterday, happy anniversary, Candace. Uh, she's put up with this for a long, long time, just these spider webs of conversation. But although those conversations can be frustrating, I can't imagine how frustrating it is, or it would be, if I took the time to speak to her in list form. How impersonal would I be And horrible would I be as a husband if I just had my list, I had it here, and she's in front of me on the couch, and I just start reading things off. How is our daughter, Sydney? Good. Okay. Next. Kendall. Yeah, she's a little crazy. What are we going to do with her? I don't know. All right. What's next? 
And so this idea of list form is just something that really is strange if you really imagine yourself talking to someone that way. But that's what we do with God. And we show this impersonal thing, this impersonal relationship when God is saying, I want communion with you. I want time with you. I want you to speak to me as a friend, as a father. And we intercede and oftentimes our intercession is broken because we get overwhelmed by the list. Another thing that prevents us from interceding is that it often just feels like a struggle. To intercede for others, man, it takes energy. It takes time and, it, and it's a struggle. Colossians 2, 1 through 3 says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here it is, Paul, one of his many passages of intercession, talking about contending, contending for people. In referring to the struggle, J.I. Packer writes, if we're gonna take the time to think our way into situations and personal lives on which our intercessions focus, he points out that we may not be able to pray for as many items and issues. He says, our amplifyings and argumentation will then lift our intercession from the shopping list prayer wheel level to the apostolic category of what Paul called struggle. So when it's a struggle, it doesn't mean we should check out. When it's a struggle, it means we should dig down deeper. The struggle isn't a problem. The struggle is something that is a good thing. The struggle is good. It's communication with the Father, and it's going to bat for people that need our intercession friends, family, and even strangers. Before we get to our last subject of how-to, I'd like to just tell you a little bit of a story about intercession that I experienced a few years back. One of the most powerful stories I've ever experienced. So I love our friendship with the people of Rwanda. So many of you have been able to go over there. Some of, so many of you have given of your energy and resources and even interceding for the trips that have gone on. And we've met so many amazing people. We've gone and done pastor's conferences and we get to experience worship on a Sunday morning. It just blows your mind, the, the energy and passion of the people of Rwanda as they worship. On this particular day in 2015, we were having Sunday service and we invited people to come up for prayer and uh, the pastors from the church and others would gather around the people that came for prayer. And this particular woman that you see on the screen, uh, she is somebody who came forward for prayer. And she spoke of the fact that she hadn't been able to work for over 10 years in the field because of her heart condition. And she couldn't do any physical activity, so she had difficulty providing for her family because so many, they'll work in the tea fields day and, and, and into the night. But for her, she wasn't able to do that, and she came for prayer. So, so the, the pastors of the church prayed over her. I didn't really think anything of it. I just saw it as a prayer time like usual, and then we move on. But we did a few more days of the pastor's conference and then after a session, we go outside to kind of mingle and hang out with the pastors on the side of the hill. And here comes this woman walking up with our friend Jean-Baptiste, our translator. 
And she comes up and she looks like she has something urgent to tell me and her face is so lit up and excited to tell me these things and she comes up and says, I want you to know that for the past two days, I've been working in the fields. And not just working like an hour or two, we're talking all day long and this isn't like eight hour shifts, 10, 12 hour shifts. And she's out there working in the fields as a result of the people of Christ interceding for her, and she was healed. It just blew my mind as I stood there, just tears coming to my eyes, like, wow, this just happened. The intercession of the saints really stepped into this woman's life, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and God the Father and the Son, who transformed this woman's life, and she directly attributed it to God through the prayers of the saints. An amazing story. So we've looked at why we should intercede and what prevents us, but let's take the last few minutes to think about how to intercede. These next three thoughts, they come from an article from Desiring God by Pastor P.J. Tobian, a pastor out in California. He gives these three points. Number one, he says, reason with God from his word. First, when we pray for names and needs, uh, we shouldn't just ask for the request, but we should also think a little more deeply to actually include scripture. And so instead of just praying for John and his, his specific need, maybe we can pray for John and his need and then looking at scripture and saying, well, scripture is calling John to glorify God with his life so I can add that to the prayer. Or maybe scripture is calling him to love his neighbor or to seek justice or all the different things you can find there and you add that to your prayer to make it more personal and give it more direction. Number two, we can reflect on how God might use us to answer prayers as well. Maybe the prayer that you're praying, God means for you to actually be used to help answer that prayer. When you pray for others and you intercede on their behalf, it draws you in, like we said earlier, and it allows you to be able to see their needs differently. But there may be a reason why God brings them to your mind besides just mentioning their name in a prayer. Part of intercession could be, like our deacon friend did, taking action to actually answer the prayer instead of just telling someone, uh, you know, okay, I'll pray for you. Maybe God is asking you to not only pray for them, but to be used to actually answer the prayer as well. On top of that, in the amazing cycle of prayer that we experience all around us, God may be calling you to answer a prayer that someone else prayed next to you and that God uses us in this cycle and it's just a great opportunity to reach out for those whom we are interceding for. And thirdly, we wanna resist the urge to cram and rush. We talked about the struggle. Wrestling with God in prayer, it takes time. As you intercede for others, God is drawing you near to himself. You can't microwave this. You can't microwave meaningful interaction with God and meaningful intercession. These type of things need to marinate. It's a marinating situation. I don't know about you, but I love meat that's been marinated. I don't like microwave meat. I don't like microwave meals. And in the same sense, when we talk about intercession, this is something where we need to take the time. 
It's gonna be a struggle. It's gonna take some work, but the reality is we're not called to cram and rush. And speaking on intercession, I think it would be a failure not to mention Paul, though. When we think about Paul and the prayers that he prayed, you know, before he was converted, he was an ultra-religious man. On the road to Damascus, he sought to hunt down those who followed Jesus, and he no doubt in his mind, in his religion, on his horse, he's praying to God. But he didn't realize what was coming. He's interceding, but in reality, ironically, God intercedes on his behalf, knocks him off his horse to the ground, blinds him, and miraculously converts him. You know, intercession, I'm sure, was going on all over that area to stop Paul in his tracks, to stop him from what he was doing, not knowing that God was gonna do this in this way, knocking him on his, off his horse and going on to write over half of the New Testament. So in looking how to intercede, there's no better way for us to learn than praying scripture for others like Paul wrote in his letters to the churches. The prayers of Paul for those he loved are prayers that you can pray for your children, for your grandchildren, for your coworkers, for your friends. Prayers I try to pray for my children are some of the following scriptures we're gonna to read together. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11 through 13. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. I don't know about you, but I can't put it this way. I struggle with words and articulating those words to God, but as Paul prays here for the saints of Thessalonica, we can adopt these prayers and, and pray them for others. Colossians chapter one, verse nine through 11 says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. What a powerful set of words of verses that talk about God's will, bearing fruit, endurance, patience. So many of these passages talk about love and loving others. Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, height, and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How powerful is this? Being strengthened with the Spirit's power, being able to pray for others, uh, for them to be able to understand the vast nature of God's love, and being able to pray scripture as you intercede. And lastly, Philippians 1, verses nine through 11. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, it says, 
And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I love the fact that 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 section of scripture finishes with Jesus Christ. Because it would be horrible if we sat here today in your living rooms, I stood up here on this stage and talked all about intercession without talking about the most amazing intercessor ever that ever existed, Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came As a human, he came to this earth, he lived a sinless life and chose to go to the cross for you and I, interceding on our behalf, paying the price of the sin that we could not pay for and taking it on himself, taking the pain, the punishment, the agony, the separation from his father. Romans 8, 34 says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The greatest example of intercession we could ever think of, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I take great comfort in the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding for me. Speaking to God on my behalf, So as a believer, that God doesn't see me and all my screw-ups. Instead, he sees a faithful servant, his son Jesus, who was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, who conquered death and rose from the dead. Do you know him today? Do you know the one that sits at the right hand of God? Charles Spurgeon finishes it pretty well for us today. He says, and O God, lend us thy strength now that this duty may come forcibly home to our conscience and we may at once engage in this exercise. Brethren, I have to exhort you to pray for others. Before I do it, I will ask you a personal question. Do you always pray for others? Guilty or not guilty, Here, do you think you have taken the case of your children, your church, your neighborhood, and the ungodly world before God as you ought to have done? If you have, I have not. For I stand here a chief culprit before the master to make confession of the sin. And while I shall exhort you to practice what is undoubtedly a noble privilege, I shall be most of all exhorting myself. We think about intercession. We have to start with ourselves. Oftentimes we look at others and point out the faults of others, but the reality is we often struggle thinking about ourselves and if we actually do this. So in our time today, we've looked at why we should intercede. We've looked at what it means to intercede and even a little bit of how to intercede. So I want you to consider these points and consider this challenge, but most importantly, consider Jesus the greatest intercessor who has ever lived, the greatest intercessor and example of this that we could imagine. Let's pray together. Dear God, we're so thankful. Thankful for your love for us. Thankful for your grace, your mercy, your peace in our lives. And during this time, God, we know that this is such a special time that we can intercede for others. We can even though we're socially distant, even though we're separated from many, 
We can take the time to follow your command to pray and to intercede for others. Lord, give us wisdom. For those that may not know you that are hearing this message today, those that don't know you as the great intercessor, Lord, I pray that they will know that they can be forgiven today, that they can be brought into a relationship of trust in you and faith. Lord, help them now to even pray, to confess their sins to you and call on your name for salvation and experience you as the greatest intercessor that has ever lived. Lord, be with us now as we go throughout our week. Allow us to see our prayers for others in new and exciting ways. And bless us as we go out and serve others, love others just as you have loved us. We thank you for the time together today. Amen.